Someone needs to learn how to whistle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding, sorry. We're here to encourage people, right? Anyway, I have been away for the past three weeks. Uh, in that time, we've bought and sold a house. Um, moving in two and a half weeks from now. It's like Hallelujah. Summer vacation. I'm staying in nursery. Don't worry. Maybe you're like, oh, shoot. No, that's okay. Uh, been on vacation for the past two weeks in Mexico, and that was an amazing blessing, too. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be back. Uh, been through half the summer already, and we still have another, like, half the summer to go. It's awesome. How, are you, how How's it been for you? Yeah? Yeah? Good, Lawrence. Nice. It's good. Has it been restful? Hopefully. No? Playful? You guys got to play. Really, you got to play. Right? God loves it when we recreate. Uh, You can interpret that how you want. But he loves us having fun. Um, Anyhow, I've been praying lots for you this summer uh, as well, even on, on vacation, just praying that you guys take Jesus seriously. Uh, in the summer. Like, we may take vacations, but do we take vacation from Jesus? No. No, or, or we shouldn't take vacation from Jesus. Like, we're in, we're in tense times, even in summer, so fall's coming, storms come, so how you spend time with Jesus now is gonna matter when the storms come. So, praying for you that you take him seriously, you take him joyfully, you take him restfully, and that you enjoy the rest of your summer. So here we are, smack dab in the middle of our uh, Seizing the Promises summer series, and hope you've enjoyed it. It's been fun. And promises are all about uh, God, yes, but there's two people in that, right? There's God and there's us, or two parties, I should say. And we've been trying to focus in on our end of the bargain, like our end of the covenant. And sometimes when promises aren't met, or when we aren't living into them, it's because of us and how we have not come into alignment uh, with what he's promised. And so that's what this series is really about. And today isn't any exception to that. We're going to continue on. And we're going to actually jump there right away here. Uh, today's message is coming right out of Revelation chapter 3. Um, we're going to read a chunk of scripture there in just a moment. So you can get your Bibles ready for that. So... <clears throat> But as you turn there, I, uh, I originally was going to bring a message today on the promise of power uh, in the Holy Spirit, of course, the, the promise that comes through him, and, and Greg talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit last week, and while there is a promise that is given to us through the Spirit, of which you and I all need to live in the Spirit-empowered life, you know, displaying the glory of Jesus all around us. Um, while I was away, I had two dreams that I sensed were from the Lord and also this, mm, this, this sound that I'm going to talk about, I've been hearing, that's very deep and profound and actually kind of haunting. Um, so these dreams and this sound have really shaped this message. Um, that I want to share with you this morning. And so while it is important to be aware that you and I believe in a gospel of power, right? Thank you. We believe in a gospel of power. Jesus is not powerless. 
I am sensing that the Lord wants us to be more aware, again, of how that power is, act, is actually received and, and, and flows through us. So in other words, I'm not really going to talk about power at all today. I'm going to talk about the journey of what precedes power and the, uh, uh, for it to flow through us. Okay? Did I just confuse everybody? Hope not. So if you would, please turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. And I'm going to ask you to stand as you do that. We're going to read the... Go ahead. Stand up. We're going to read the scripture. Okay, we're going to honor the word of God by standing this morning. Um, <clears throat> we're going to start in verse 14. <laughs> awesome. Okay. It's the last book of the Bible if you're still looking for it. You never know, there may be someone here who's never been in church. All right, this is uh, the word of the Lord for us today, starting in verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, hmm. that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were hot or cold. So then, because you were lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. These are believers. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know, because you say uh, that, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eyes salve that you may see. As many as I love, say love. I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. <laughs> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear. I want you to say, I have an ear. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. 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 You guys can all sit down. You, you can stand if you want to, but it's a little long message. Okay. So for the past two weeks or so, about halfway through our time in Mexico, about halfway through our vacation, as was my custom on the trip and, and what I try to do here at home, I, I, I woke up early and I, I head outside on the, on the beautiful balcony of the condo that we were staying at in Puerto Vallarta. And, and I was watching the sunrise and, and pay, praying and, and listening to the Spirit and receiving your prayers. As you know, some of you were praying for us. And journaling and just soaking in His presence. And then this one morning, about halfway through, I was sitting outside and looking out and I began to hear something astounding. And it was so loud that I actually thought there, there was construction going on beside us and the, 
in the mall uh, right beside us. So I got up from the chair and I looked over and there was nothing there. And yet this sound was booming and it was still happening. And as I looked around, I realized, wait a minute, this is the spirit. And it did not go away. And then it dawned on me, this is Jesus. I heard it at the ocean. I heard it at the pool. I, I was laying down at night, going, trying, trying to go to bed, and I could hear this sound. Sometimes it kept me up. I woke up in the morning, and there was a sound again. I can even hear it right now. And every time I heard this sound, Revelation 3.20 kept being highlighted for me. I'm like, boom, there it was. Like, there's a sound, and I see this verse up in the sky, or I, I see this verse in my mind's eye, and, and it was like this megaphone of these verses. And this is what it's been sounding like. And then on only did I see this passage pop up in my mind's eye and hear this haunting knock. I also hear these words. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I'm standing outside the entrance to your house. Nathan, tell everyone that visiting hours are over. In other words, I want more time with you. You need more time with me. Behold, I'm knocking. Visiting hours are not enough. They're not enough. Can you hear it? I've been hearing this haunting knock. And every time I hear it, just like that, It releases this massive echo as it reverberates through the unopened door, solid door, of a nation, of a city, of a heart. And the Lord shouted at me in these moments, who is going to open the door in this Laodicean hour? Who's it going to be? Oh my God. The sound of knocking, friends, is both, though contextually it doesn't address the non-believer, okay? This is about believers. However, 
This sound of the Lord knocking is both a beautiful sound for the soul that's not yet received the beautiful offering of salvation through Jesus Christ that, only, that not only saves you from an eternity separated from your creator, but is also an invitation to, to join him and receive internal inheritance here and now and to partner with him in the activity of God here on earth for the unbeliever. But for the believer, the follower of Jesus Christ, which is the context of this passage, is, is for the church, for the region, and actually for individuals. This knock, in my opinion, is a very haunting knock. Why? Because it means that there has been this invitation that was once opened by you and I, but for some reason, the believer only opened the envelope and did not read the invitation. They merely opened it up and stopped there. So Jesus is still standing at the door, knocking at the door, waiting for you not just to invite him into the entrance like you already have in the day of salvation for you, but deeper, yes. further in. I believe the Lord is saying in this hour that visiting hours for you and I are over. You hear the knocking at the door because the Lord says, I've been treated like a visitor in, your, in the home of your heart and not like a homeowner. We want to come, we want to come and make our home with you. John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My, and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him, which is phenomenal. It's not just the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus and the father. What? Again, visiting hours are over. And he's saying, it's time to decide, Nathan. It's time to decide, Matt. It's time to decide, Kingdom City. If you want us, Father, Son, Spirit, to stay and become your homeowner or remain comfortable with the short and brief visits my with my presence that you've already had. My power has shown itself weaker in some of my people because I have become a visitor in the home of their heart. They'll live for me when I'm visiting them and they'll live for themselves when I'm no longer welcome. Wow. Power flows through home ownership, not through visitation. But the promise, here's the unbelievable thing about Jesus Christ. The promise still stands. The question is, are you going to open the door and invite him in further to dwell permanently? And he says, you want to be a church? You want to be a people of power? Good. That's a good thing. But power flows from proximity to my presence. Dwelling in all rooms of your heart. It's not just... Uh, me, the Father, being close to you. It's not just us being in proximity to him, 
But it's also when he is in close proximity to you, which seems obvious, but when he's in close proximity to you in every area of your house. Visitors only have access to very few rooms in the house. I don't want any visitor visiting my bedroom. That's weird. Okay? It's just weird. You can, no, you can't go in my ensuite. You're a visitor. Get out. Acquaintances, casual friends only have limited access to your heart. But a homeowner has access to every place. Every room of your house, every room of your heart, from the attic to the basement, to the bathroom, to the garage, from the entrance, salvation, to the bedroom, and miss you with Jesus. I believe we are in the day of moving from visitation hours to home ownership. But it's up to you and me. This was the issue of the Laodiceans, okay, which I'll get into right away here. They were believers. Let's not forget. I need to keep highlighting that, okay? Laodiceans were believers. Here's the issue. They had enough faith to be saved, but they never activated their faith to carry them into faith-filled living. Therefore, they did not give Jesus access into the deeper areas of their heart because they did not have enough faith in him to invite him there. Which is why they heard the knocking. So what I want to do here in this glorious August long weekend summer day is spend a little bit of time talking about why you and I do not open the door. Okay? Or how we've shut it. Because it was open at one point. And how Jesus has, I would say unfortunately, become a visitor for some of us. And then I want to spend some time giving you some solutions to walking into this promise, receiving this promise that he so delightfully gives us of Jesus becoming a homeowner. That's what he wants to do. Are you with me? So let's take a look again. At verse 20, okay? Verse 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Amazing. What, What do you notice here as you read that? Like, there's something that is implied. See, the implication here is that anyone who hears the knock at the door, in this context, Jesus, they would be provoked to ask who's at the door. Because Jesus said, anyone who hears my voice, right? Perhaps, well, I'll leave that. That's another sermon. Um, <clears throat> but here it is. Once you recognize it's Jesus, the text says you open the door. But this is what we need to realize. You and I can still recognize that it's Jesus knocking at the door and yet not open the door. And this is what I want to address. This is what I believe the Lord wants to address. Why we do not open the door. There's many reasons, but I'm going to focus in on just a few. Um, And I think they're quite common themes of why you and I struggle or we just don't open the door. 
Here's one. We question his goodness. We don't truly believe he's good in every situation of our lives. Everyone. Okay, well, what is an indicator that you perhaps struggle with goodness? You struggle with worry. Sometimes we are overcome with worry. It could be fear, anxiety, but worry. Sometimes we walk through pain and suffering of many, many different kinds. From, from, uh, uh, and, and sometimes in that process of pain and suffering, we feel abandonment from God by him. We feel like he's left us. And, and so we doubt him. And we say, why does my family have to go through this? Why am I going through this? Why didn't you stop this from happening? You could harden Pharaoh's heart. This was my complaint years ago. You could harden Pharaoh's heart, but why didn't you intervene here? Why? Why? (laughs) Why? Why don't I have a job? Why? Why is it so hard? Why do I have to go through this? Whatever, okay? It may come through tragedy or divorce or death or or when we don't think God has answered our prayers, or when our friends or family actually betray us, which they do sometimes, and we cry, where's God in all of this? Where is he? And we can, as a result, if we don't watch ourselves, we can, uh, um, hmm, we can develop this conditional trust, I call it, a conditional trust in the Lord And then we begin to birth worry. And subconsciously then believe that he's he's really not for us. Yeah, he's with us. But is he for me? Is he really for us? In all of this though, Jesus is saying, John 10, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Trust me when your heart says no. Trust me when life is uncomfortable for you. Ezekiel 36, 9, for indeed I am for you. I'm for you. And I will turn towards you. Nahum 1, 7, memorize it. The Lord is good. It's a little bit, sh- little bit longer than Jesus wept. Okay, you can memorize this one. The Lord is good. Nahum 1.7. He's a stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord is good. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. <laughs> Be not dismayed, for I am your God. See, so much of our broken past, if, if left unhealed, keeps you and I from trusting in God's goodness. And it keeps us from opening that door. Because it's a trust issue. Because you and I don't want to get hurt again. You know, but there's something at the root of this. There's something at the root of worry. And I think one of the biggest problems we don't, of why you and I don't open the door is that we're control freaks. Come on. Am I the only one in here who's a control freak? 
Here, I've dealt with it, but every season I walk into, I realize, oh, I still have control issues. I'm a human being. <laughs> uh, that's not an excuse. However, we're control freaks. We really are. Okay? Well, how do I know? Worry proves it in your own life. You may think you don't worry, but if you are controlling in any shape, way, or form, that's a sign of worry. If you're controlling over your finances and don't tithe, that's an issue of worry. A good friend of mine once said, this is deep, that worry is the landing strip for witchcraft. Whoa! Whoa! Worry is a landing strip for witchcraft. What does that mean? What, what's witchcraft? Like, don't freak out, okay? It's really, it's basically this. It's manipulating and controlling people or situations. It's that simple. When you and I worry, what are we doing? We are taking things into our own control and trying to manipulate our circumstances. That's worry. And we go out of our way to, to somehow try to get favor for ourselves and we set our own conditions for how things are supposed to be or how we want things to turn out. That's control. And what we're subconsciously saying is God, you are not good in this situation. Therefore, I'm gonna take over. Okay, switch seats. I'm gonna take over. I'm gonna do it myself. Control issues, keep the door closed, friends. Are you with me? Yes. Have you ever tried to fly the plane by yourself and kind of taken over? How well does that go for you? <laughs> I mean, you may feel like you're soaring for like a millisecond and then realize, oh my gosh, what have I done? Yeah. That's enough of that one. What are the other reasons we don't open the door? Real quick. Perhaps you struggle with pride and living in disobedience. Oh, He's going to talk about that again. Yes. Yes, I am. Because it's in the passage. Whether active disobedience or passive disobedience. And you know that if you keep Jesus as a guest or a visitor, you don't have to work through the humbling process of repentance. It's kind of, it's kind of like a little trick. You know, like, hmm, if I can keep him at arm's distance, I don't have to deal with my sin junk because he's not that far in, okay? Here's the thing. The farther into the house you invite him, you will eventually have to deal with the sin issues that you've kept in the dark. Yes. And Jesus is saying, invite me there. Yes. Not to expose shame, but to expose darkness, to shine light, yes. okay? The deadly thing about sin is that it can harden our hearts can shut the door to intimacy with Jesus and actually keeps Jesus at a distance. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. See to it, people of kingdom city. It's amazing. It doesn't say that in scripture, but I just said it. Brothers and sisters, of which we all are, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But, this is our job, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. Yeah. What's, is, is, is this today? Yeah. Okay, as long as it's called today, 
so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I need you, you need me. We're all a happy family. If you're not in community, you're not living a happy family. We need each other, not to make us feel bad about sin, but to call us higher and say, dude, Nate, see how that's messing you up? You're called for this. Come, let's go. Beneath the pride, I think the real issue is shame. You know, living in disobedience creates a lot of shame in us that keeps him as a visitor. And we've talked a lot about shame here, and I'm not gonna go into it today and how to overcome shame, but I just wanna say this. Shame is a killer. Shame is a liar. Shame is a pure work of Satan. Meant to keep you from getting closer to Jesus. Meant to keep Jesus from becoming a homeowner in your heart. Here's the last one. We don't open the door for Jesus, perhaps because we've become comfortable. This was Laodicea. We've become comfortable. I talked about this in where is my, where, where is revival message, long, long weekend. I said this in first hour, and I'm like, I don't know how I drew the short stick of preaching on both long weekends in the summer. Like, what's up with that? But I gotta tell you, this is like a full house for long weekends, so you guys are amazing. At any rate, you really love Jesus. <laughs> Sorry to all who are watching. Anyway, the message long, long weekend was on uh, where is revival, and in it I talked about um, <clears throat> how we can lose our hunger, and uh, it comes from developing a comfortability in our lives. Verse 17 in the New Living Translation here says, Jesus says to Laodicea and to us, you say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't even realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, believer. Here's the thing. At first reading of that passage, verse 17, uh, we could possibly read that and make a connection that riches and wealth make, uh, the connection that having riches and wealth makes me comfortable. So if I'm not rich, I won't struggle with becoming comfortable. Wrong. It's not the point. Though it was their issue, because Laodicea was loaded with wealth. Loaded. Wealth isn't bad, okay? Just understand the context. Um, What was I saying? Yeah, this was the issue for Laodicea. But the point is this. We do not need to experience material riches or wealth to have a life that says, I have everything I want, I don't need anything. Here's, hear, hear, hear this. If there is anything in your life, if there is anyone in your life, in my life, that occupies more time, more energy, more pursuit from you and desire than the time we spend with Yeshua, being aware of Jesus, talking to Jesus, eating with Jesus, worshiping Jesus, we subconsciously admit that we are in need of nothing and have become comfortable living in lukewarmness and spiritual harlotry. 
But even though some of us as believers have a visitor status for Jesus this morning, because of how we have behaved, because of how we have um, cultivated or lack of cultivated a relationship that we're living, the amazing thing is that even though, excuse me, there's this haunting knock at the door, he's still knocking. (laughs) He's still knocking. I betray him every stinking day. He's still knocking. Wow. He's still knocking. That means, what does that mean? It means that the promise that you began to open some time ago during the day of salvation for you, that promise is still open and available to anyone who wants to experience and live out his promise deeper. And deeper. And deeper. And deeper. There is a solution. There's a few. What do I have to do? Open the freaking door. (laughs) Open the door. It's not hard. Just open it. (gasps) It's not locked shut unless you decide to do that. Open the door. Psalm 24 is 79. Fling wide the gates. Open up the ancient doors and the king of glory will what? Come in. (laughs) He'll come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Fling wide those gates. Fling them open. Open up the ancient doors and the king of glory will come in. And then don't just crack open that door. That is wussy. Don't crack open the door. It's a sign of weak faith, intermittent faith, brief faith that Peter and the disciples struggled with. Fling it open. Fling it open. And don't ever close that door again. I personally believe we should not hear the knock at the door because he has access to every area of my life. Lock it open and throw away the key. And in this passage, Jesus gives us multiple answers as to how to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 18. You guys doing all right? Okay. I should ask myself how I'm doing. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Verse 18 says this, Jesus says this, I counsel you to buy from who? Me. Me. Gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. What a gracious Jesus. And anoint your eyes with eye self that you may see. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, you're so amazing. I am counseling you to buy from me. Buy from me. Where else do you hear that in scripture? Know your Bibles. Where is it? Isaiah 55. How do I open the door and keep the door open? Jesus says, buy from me. Isaiah 55 says, oh, 
Come to the waters, and you who have no money, catch that, no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, buy wine and milk without money and without price. In other words, stop spending your time on things that do not satisfy your soul. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Over the past two weeks, I had two dreams that summarize this whole thing, this, this whole thing I'm talking about with three words. Treasure the presence. Seems really easy. Treasure the presence. In my first dream, I heard words that said this, even now, in the midst of your success and life accomplishments, treasure the presence. Even now, when your business is thriving, treasure the presence. Even now, when you failed your course, treasure the presence. Even now, all the time, even now, during the unexpected in your life, treasure the presence. Even now, in the midst of adversity and chaos in your life, your life may be caving in. Even now, in the midst of your cancer diagnosis, treasure the presence. Even now, when you're on vacation, you who are watching, or you who are going tomorrow, when you're on vacation, by the campfire, by, by the lake, in a speedboat, on a walk at Starbucks, at a concert, at the barber, at the pool, drinking a virgin margarita. Treasure the presence. Even now, August long weekend in the middle of the summer, listening to me, treasure the presence. Roger Helland, in his book, Pursuing the Presence, which I read over the past two weeks, amazing book, buy it, talks about developing the discipline of awareness. Brilliant. I love that phrase, because that's what it is. The discipline of awareness, that is treasuring him. Disciplining yourself to be aware of him all the time. The second dream reflected the first, but I was, I was digging for the treasure. The interesting part <clears throat> was that as I was digging, I was digging through fluffy white sand, and not just because I was in Mexico, okay, I don't think. Because Jesus said, why? The sand was easy to remove as I dug, and I dug deep, and it was easy to go to. And it, it wasn't hard soil. And I sensed Jesus say, this is because I'm easily accessible. I am easily found. But you need to dig for me. You need to dig. And as you dig, I am easily accessible. If you don't dig, you're not going to find me. I'm easily accessible, but keep digging because there is more of me to discover and the deeper you dig, the deeper I go into your heart. It's a two-way thing. And if you keep your focus of spending everything you've got to buy the field that holds that treasure, you will begin entering the realm of homeownership. 
But if you stop digging, you've started to close the door. Oh! Treasure the presence. If that's the only thing you hear today, that's it. Treasure the presence. Jesus mentioned something else that we can grab hold of. A couple more things, we'll be done. To keep that door open, okay? Verse 19, real quick. Says this, as many as I love. Say that phrase, I love. I love. Say, Jesus loves me. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Ah. Yes. Chasten is to discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Turn from your indifference, Laodicea. Turn from your indifference, Kingdom City, turn from your indifference toward Christ. Turn from your apathy toward Christ. Turn from sin living. Turn from your disobedience toward me. I talked about this again in my last message, but it bears me saying it again. We have to deal with our sin issues. It slows you down. It slows me down. You and I don't have time to play around with all this stuff. It holds you back from being who you are. You gotta deal with your sin junk. It just keeps us on the edge of dangerous territory in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Indifference, pride, self-sufficiency, apathy is all lukewarmness and is what Oh, it is what put a powerful distaste in the mouth of Jesus. But he never did spit them out. I, I shouldn't say that. We don't know. He gave a warning. He gave a loving rebuke and reminder, hey guys, pay attention. Visiting hours are over. I want more of you. But hear this, it's not about just stopping to sin, like stop sinning rather. It, repentance is to turn, is to change. See, stop doing something and begin doing something else. Yes. Stop living in disobedience and begin living in obedience. Yes. Because, why? Because of your love for him. It's that simple. Fall in love with him and you'll do whatever he asks you to do. Repentance is an invitation for you and I to come into something new and higher and different and unfamiliar, perhaps. Sometimes we get too comfortable with familiar that we hesitate to pursue the unfamiliar paths of obedience. Here's a question. Does Jesus make his home in every person? No. What? Contrary to what many think, he doesn't. John 14, 23. I read it earlier. I say, um, it says this. Who is Jesus looking for to become a homeowner? In those who love him and keep his word. 
Whoa. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. This is crazy. But we need to hear this. The last thing we can do in keeping a constant open door policy with Jesus, keep that door open, is beginning living a life of sacrifice. Verse 20, kind of the third section of verse 20, says this. Um, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Okay, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I, here it is, I will come in to him. In other words, I'll come towards him. Wherever you're inviting me into, I will come and join you there. That's what he's saying. And I will dine with him and he with me. Whoa. So after you've opened the door to deeper communion with him, Jesus says, once you've opened that door for me, okay, and I join you in all of the areas of your life, I will come to where you are and we will dine together. Together. I wanna, this is what I'm getting at. There's two things going on here. There's a picture of admitting my complete need of him and I will therefore take and receive everything he has for me. Everything. Even the hard stuff. The complete opposite of what he was saying about the Laodiceans just a few verses earlier where they said, we don't need anything. Here, once you open the door, you are saying, I need everything from you. Everything. So there's this intimate transaction, okay? We receive from him as if we needed everything. And then he also receives from us. He's coming to the table, into the, into the table. What is he receiving? He receives our humble sacrifice of worship. That's the sacrifice. And it's this. I call it ministering purely to him. Ministering to Jesus. That's what it is, worship. And in this day, it's through fasting. I believe the Lord is calling me personally, and I think he's calling us as believers to an age of and lifestyle of fasting, not out of duty or obligation, but out of privilege and pleasure. And for me personally, it's about going lower. But the kind of sacrifice he's looking for is fasting, deep prayer, more prayer. And Christ-centered, elevated worship. Look, there are times where you and I need to intercede. Okay, there's intercession, yes. There's this intercession where we intercede for a nation, for for people, for issues, for needs that we have. And we intercede and we pray in that way. However, it's time for us to amp up our worship of pure, unadulterated ministry to the high and exalted one, elevating him higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. Sacrifice of worship, creating a lifestyle worshiping as laid down lovers of Jesus. Like we sang about, what does that mean? You are laid down on the altar, full surrender to him. If you stand up, get back down. 
a lifestyle of laid down. I'll lay my life down for you. That's the kind of worship he's looking for. Him from a human being laid prostrate on the altar. I'm almost done. We've been given an open-ended promise for the Lord to come and dwell with us and to stay with us and to make a home with us. Praise God. Moving from visiting hours to home ownership requires these things. Requires repentance. Ongoing repentance. I'm learning quick repentance. A life of sacrifice. And most of all, those are important too. Most of all, treasure the presence. You want to know where to begin? <laughs> Just slow your life down. Slow down. Slow your life down. Too many of us are doing life like a duck flapping its wings in the air. When you and I need to recalibrate and come into alignment with the one who calls us to mount up like an eagle onto the winds of the spirit and run in life with outstretched wings. Soaring in life with little effort. There's a big difference. We're not called to be flapping ducks. We're called to fly high and soar on the winds of the spirit with little effort, but still running. Big difference. Manage the busyness of your heart. Slow down. You're flapping your wings and spending too much time working for him instead of being with him and doing life with him instead of for him. Flying like an eagle means you and I do life with him. You guys can stand. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you that even though there may have been times where hmm, we've shut you out, you constantly pursue us. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I ask right now for just you to be big in our lives. Thank you for the grace. And Lord, for the one who needs to repent specifically today, I speak the strength of Christ into that individual and the courage to overcome. Father, would be we, we be a people right now. You can even do this. If you hear the Lord knocking on your heart, oh, Ask him to get you to open that door. Open that door. Just open it. Open it. 
There's no more living with a closed door. Open it up. I'm scared. He's right there with you. He is the one who replaces shame with a double portion of honor. I don't know what to expect. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You hurt me in the past. I understand. Invite me in. I have these struggles. I know. It's okay. I've created you for more than this. Let me in. So Holy Spirit, come as you already have. Come in greater measure. We prostrate ourselves as laid down lovers for you, Jesus, right here and right now. We love you. And I repent of ways in which I've kept you at arm's distance. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving me and being already forgiven. So Holy Spirit, fill your people from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. In this moment, fill their minds with your presence. Fill their hearts with peace as they invite you to the recesses of their heart. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Whoa. Well, if you need more prayer, uh, I'm going to encourage you to come to the front. We have a ministry team here. Get your badges. Come on up, you guys. We'll pray for you. For the rest of you, go in the joy of the Lord. Like, he may be knocking at your door, but let him in and grab hold of his joy for you. Enjoy this beautiful summer day, and we'll see you next week.